1: We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey.
2: Hey, TSL fan, producer Jeff here. And I want to start by saying thank you so much for your remarkable patience as we've been on our summer hiatus and um, airing some banked episodes of the show. I know we've been off for two weeks, so we're throwing this in your feed now. So excited to drop it. It is a huge, all-encompassing catch-up. Based on the six weeks that we've been off, um, I hadn't seen Megan Lorien in that long. They hadn't seen me. They hadn't seen each other or our interns. So it was really fun to catch up. And as always, Megan Loriann just provides so much deep fulfilling and enlightening insight on the experience of writing um, as they always do using the experience of their own lives. So um, the good news is this is dropping into your feed. is almost a bonus episode of sorts and we do have another episode dropping this Thursday. The um, much anticipated lava episode is finally dropping in your feed this Thursday. So we're super excited about that and from there on out we should be back on a normal schedule. So we're back with TSL. We're so excited to have you all on the journey with us and let's get into it
0: hey guys welcome back to the screenwriting life it's been a while so today we wanted to just do a check-in this uh, episode
1: will be sort of an extended adventures in screenwriting because we've been gone for a while and there's a lot going on so, so meg oh I, I was gonna have you go first <laughs> ah no no no, i'm hand <laughs> it over to you oh you want me to go first
0: this time yeah oh, let's, let's shake it up it's good yeah well I've been on vacation uh that which is part of the reason we haven't had a show in so long I did take a very long vacation it's kind of the last vacation before my son goes off to college in a couple of weeks so we started in Vienna where we picked up my son who had COVID from his class trip um and my husband had, had flown in early to get him uh and then we took a train through the Alps went to the Alps in Innsbruck went to Italy, went to the Palio horse race in Siena where we met a bunch of friends who we used to travel with when we were in our early thirties and had no children were free and easy, but it was she- fun because we met up with all of them and all of their teenagers came. And so it was super fun. And then we all met at, went to a house in Umbria where our French friends came in with their teenager, one of their teenagers and um, Fabian who listens to the show in France. So hi Fabian. Uh, he's a screenwriter. He's a French screenwriter. And um, then we went to Rome on our own and then we came home. And so, what was interesting about that in any relationship to artistry or writing is that, with it, like after a week, my son looked at me and goes, You look totally different. <laughs> And I was like, what? He's like, your face looks totally different. And so <laughs> I just the other day was putting some photographs in a shared folder with all of the people we were with. And I was like, oh my God, I look totally different. I am, at, my face changes under the stress of work. ah, And uh, my shoulders usually are up around my ears. And I've got this giant crevice between my eyebrows because I'm, you know, concentrating so hard to make it work. And uh, just overwhelm and all but on vacation, especially when you go on a longer vacation, because you know, if you go on a short vacation, it can take four days just to relax. But uh, on such a long vacation, I really could let it go. And so I looked different and I I didn't have all that stress. So just how much the stress uh, can really affect your body. And, you know, I didn't have any thoughts about work or writing. I mean, I really just tried to be present, which teenagers in Europe help you do, because (laughs) you have to be present with teenagers in Europe. And, you know, about two weeks in, I I got to the point that I wasn't thinking about writing so much that I was like, maybe I'm not a writer because I really don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it for a minute. I brought a research book for my passion project and I did not touch it. And I didn't want to touch it almost like it was like a hot coal because I think my body and brain just did, had been going, I had been going on so hard and so let's call it passionately writing that I and work and stress that I just, my body was almost repelled by it. So, but then, and so I got a little nervous, honestly, that, oh, well, maybe I actually don't want to do this anymore because I'm so happily not thinking about it. But then about two weeks in at the house, which had a pool, I was in this pool, just bobbing around. And uh, all of a sudden the ideas started bubbling in just randomly on their own I was not thinking about it and all of a sudden like the ways to approach my passion project kind of bubbled in and um you know I had to work at that point to keep it fun and not start making you know all of the the professionalism of it to come in like well that won't work and the studio would want that and blah blah blah. I just let it be fun um there's a great TED talk by the artist who um did the book about the horse the mole and the Kid, I think can't remember what it's called, but I'll I'll link it up on the Facebook page. Um, actually, I think somebody on the Facebook page posted it. I wish I knew who because I could give them credit right now. Um, and it's really good. It's all about being messy, and how the brain needs to have fun, in order to get to the deeper, more authentic self. And that fun and not worrying is such an important part of it. And I found that the vacation allowed that a little bit back in. Like he was like, draw, like you used to draw when you were six and you just didn't care. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. resting helps, you know, really helped me do that. And which led me kind of to, okay, well, what do I want? You know, it's funny because first it was repulsion. Then it was little ideas bubbling up and having fun, which led to a deeper question of, you know, what do I want to do next? Because so much of my wants in my life have been about helping others. So let's call it in service of, um, be that, you know, when I worked as a producer, you're, that's a big servicing job. It's a wonderful job, but it's also you're helping other people. Um, or am I doing things for acknowledgement, recognition, confirmation, witnessing? There's a lot, and all of those things are beautiful reasons to take on a project. But I don't know that they're wants, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's like that core joy want. And it's a little tricky because like this passion project, I really do want to do it, but it's also overwhelmingly intimidating because it's historical and would mean a tremendous amount of research and work with a very low percentage chance of actually getting it sold and made or forget about made, sold, bought as a pitch. Like literally, the, I think the percentage of chance is like 10%, but I don't know, I think you gotta follow your want because, and so my brain is always like, well, the plan B would be that you take all that pitch and you write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, Like, I, I, nothing can go to waste all that hours of work. So I was doing that. And the other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of catch up is, you know, lava doesn't leave you on vacation. <laughs> Sometimes that's also why we don't rest because if you rest, the lava can come up because you're all that overwhelm and keeping busy has been actually keeping it away and keeping it down. And it came up in a really interesting way for me, which was weeks, weeks in, we were in New York City and we're gonna take a train on Amtrak going up to see my um, husband's uh, mom who lives in uh, the Adirondacks. And I don't know, there's something about catching trains and planes that my lava comes up. because I get super crazy anxious. And even my family knows like, just don't talk because mom's in the zone. Like I just get so, and it's in the new train station and nobody knows how to get on these trains because it's a brand new train station. They just opened in New York and it's the longest line you've ever seen. And you know, when you're in Vienna, those, the, those Austrians have it down. There's a track, There's a there's a sign, there's LED signs everywhere. And they'll tell you stand here to get on the car for the seat you have like it's so it's so ordered and new york it's literally like run go get in line which which car and it's so stressed and i was and i've got all of our luggage i've got two teenagers i and we don't have seats cuz you don't get assigned seats so part of it is will we get a seat will we be able to sit together i have a special needs son i can't have him sitting by himself and i got and so i got the lava came up or on the train I've got all this luggage, because of course I had to buy some luggage because I bought so much stuff that I had (laughs) luggage in Europe. So this man in front of me is talking and all I can see in front of me is a man with luggage. And he's talking to a woman asking which view of the Hudson, which side of the train will the view of the Hudson be on? Meanwhile, seats are literally filling up like this all around us. Pop, 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 pop. And I'm literally like, because I haven't found any seats together. And I say to the guy, hey, can we just go please? Meaning move to the side if you're gonna have a conversation about the river and we wanna move past to go find a seat. And now in front of him, a woman has been crouched over, which I didn't see her. And she stands up and she goes, forgive me, but I've got a stroller and a baby here and I'm just trying to make it work. And the whole train, i feel it feels like the whole train looks at you like you're the Karen, right? Like you're the asshole. who just yelled at a woman and a baby (laughs) and her stroller and her suitcases. Like you're the, I'm such an asshole. And I just was so upset about being this asshole. So they get to sit down, we get our seats and I'm just sitting there. The lava is up. I am just like, I'm such an asshole. Why do I do this? Why do I get so anxious? that I would yell at a woman and her baby. Like that is lava. It makes no sense. Like what is going on, Meg, that your brain goes on fire when this situation comes up? And it does, it just goes on fire every time. And instead of just berate, deciding to berate myself or spin into a fucking anxiety spiral about it, I was like, well, what is it? Like, let's just let the lava come up. Like it's up now, it's walking around. I hate myself. I'm, it's up and walking around. And I just oddly, and I didn't write any of it down because I don't have a piece of paper. And I just let it talk. I can't explain. I just let it, words. Okay, what are the words? What do you want to say? What is this? And all of these words come up. And where it got to pretty quickly is there's no spot for me. There's no place for me. Which is so tied to my childhood. I can't, like, I grew up next door until I was like six because there were five kids. My mother couldn't deal with it and i basically grew up at the neighbors like literally like i had a bed there i, I ate my meals there right and so th- this little this little piece of lava of there's no spot for me finds its crevice when i have to get to a seat or there's i don't have a reservation or there's no spot like I, there's no logic to it by the way it's it just found its place and it triggered it's real triggered in this spot. And it was very, I can't, ex- sitting on that train, I just felt the release of it. Like I could see how this no spot for me, no place for me comes into my work in a good way. I'm using that lava. Like if you think about Riley and Inside Out, she's having to handle this huge thing and figure something out all on her own. It just, it that kind of no spot for her, like where is she's gonna, she's at a new school. She's like, it, it, it kind of funneled in there, right? and then I can and look sadness. at a, and sadness and sadness has no spot joy right? is, and joy, joy has been pushed out, like, out right yeah. now and there's other lava and other people can put their lava in all of those plot things but there's mine is in there and uh you know and there's probably deeper things under no spot for me you're not hearing me abandonment right like why don't you see that I have no spot why aren't you helping me get a spot right which is what Riley does at the end of the movie right which is Finally, well, if I don't have a spot, I'm going to leave, right? Maybe then you'll notice, right? Kind of stuff. So, and again, I wasn't conscious of that when I was writing it in terms of the intellectual words I'm using now to describe it, but it was up and walking around when I was writing it, right? That feeling. Um, And then I can see it in the fights I have with my husband sometimes, right? These kind of weird fights where my brain goes on fire and, and now I can kind of go like, well, what's happening probably is... I'm not feeling, I'm feeling there's no spot here for me or whatever, like it just gives me a door to try to catch the fight before it spins into nonsense because I'm just feeling vulnerable in this particular way. Um, so really what I'm talking about is I let the lava come up and tell me what it was and what what that is, is that's a belief, right? That there's no spot for me. That's just a belief that has been lodged in there since I was, you know, two years old and, uh, I just sat on the train and I was like, Meg, is that true? Is it true that there's no spot for you? And it was so clear, like the older part of my brain, be that the adult I am or that kind of ancient part of us that is forever, uh, you know, wise in the back of our heads. It was like, no, it's not true. Because even if there is no spot for me, I can create my own spot. I am not a child anymore. I'm not five years old at the whim of all of these people. I can create my own spot. And then it went another level and I realized I am the spot. I am the spot. There is no outside anything because I am the spot. And as long as I know I am the spot, I am safe and I'm okay because I am the spot. So if we got on this train and there were no seats, I'd figure it out because the person I can rely on is myself, and there's just a ground to stand on now. That doesn't mean that I'm not brain isn't going to go on fire and I'm going to catch myself because this thing is ancient and it's been in there. The pathways are burned deep, right, deep into the unconscious and into the amygdala. So it's going to happen again, but I can catch it. I, you know, all I got to do is catch it. Oh, this is happening. It's up. I don't feel like I have a spot. Okay, well, Meg. Is that true? No, you are the spot. And if you are the spot, then what can you do right now? Number one is relax, because even if you miss the plane, it's okay, because the spot isn't on the plane. You are the spot. You are in your own place. So it was very profound. And then, I no, just to end on reality. So the dining car opened, which my teenager's been waiting for, right? So I'm going to the dining car with my, my teenager for sure, because of course he's starving, because he hasn't eaten for an hour. And um, I'm like, okay. And I walk up to this couple and I see she's got the baby on her lap. The baby's probably like one or one and a half. And I say pretty quietly, because it's a baby and she seems to be nodding off. I just want to apologize. I'm feeling very badly for what I said. And do you need anything from the car? Do you want water or anything for the baby? And the husband goes you just woke up the baby will you just leave so he's madder now he's madder now <laughs> but what was amazing is because moms are moms and she looked at me and she put her hand on her husband's arm and she said no and she made me say thank you we're okay but thank you because moms know like she knew that I'm a mom who just made a mistake in my fucking frenetic momness And we kind of, she got it, right? That I, Mm -hmm. what I was trying to do and that I didn't mean to wake up the baby, which I didn't by the way, but whatever. Um, So I, but that's also a thing like you can fight with the husband in your mind, right? And just spend all of your life energy now fighting with this guy who's attacking because he probably got in trouble by the way, right? Right because he was asking about the window instead of helping her with the baby, because why isn't he helping her with the baby in the stroller? Like my brain went into all of that, right? Like, which is like, well, I'm the bad guy, but you weren't helping with the baby and blah, blah, blah. Or I can just say that is a lot of noise and and bond with be with myself and what came up and then go admit my error and bond with this woman. And then it was done and then it was done. So that's where I've been. That's where I've been. Wow, well.
1: I have not been in Europe having epiphanies, I will
0: say. New <laughs> <'Cause> York. <they are. laughs>
1: I, uh, I, I've been trying to take care of small things that I can take care of in the chaos and the overwhelm. Like I made a list of all the doctors that I have not gone to because of the pandemic or fear or whatever. And I made the list and I made the appointments and I went to the appointments. I did not cancel the appointments. I did not reschedule them. I went to the appointments. I went to the dentist. I got a new primary doctor. I got a mammogram. I got blood tests. I did all the things that I have to do. And then of course, it's not as simple as that, right? There's all the maintenance pieces that come along with that, right? Like, Oh, I have high cholesterol. Am I going to do that with my diet or, you know, like, so it's sort of, for me, um, not going to the doctor is saying I'm not prepared to deal with what comes after just like not writing if I don't write I don't have to deal with what a shit pile I'll put down on the page right it's a similar push and pull for me in terms of uh facing facing what I know I I need to do what I want to do I want to take care of my body I don't want my teeth to fall out of my head I don't want to have to get a cavity filled or a root canal so I gotta go get my teeth cleaned um so it's like, and I don't want to not write my screenplay, but it, I sometimes I don't want to. I know that didn't make a lot of sense. I'm not great at metaphors. Also, I had an allergic reaction right before this and I took a Benadryl. So if I <clears throat> don't sound totally great, uh, that's my excuse. Um, so one of the doctors that I found was a therapist. And yesterday the therapist said to me, You're an overfunctioner, an overproducer, and you're too hard on yourself. And I took that as a compliment, legit. I was like, thank you. Like for me, that means that I am being successful. She's like, it wasn't a compliment, it's a diagnosis. And I was like, "Mm-hmm, sure. But those are the things I think matter. I take pride in working really hard and harder than anyone and like putting in all the work, but I, but what's happening is um, it's starting to get to be too much and because I, and then I realized, Oh no, I've done nothing for two hours, like two hours legit looking at Facebook. So that is the shame, right? Like I got so overwhelmed by all the work I'm doing and everything I'm putting into everything. And this is work. This is my family, my friend relationships, the amount of mental energy I spend beating myself up on the daily basis, like all of this. I do everything at a hundred, right? There is no, there is no in between. It's black and white. Uh, and this is how I approach my work too, my writing. I'm either all in a project and I'm all in it and I'm inside it and I'm doing it or I've totally abandoned it and put it out of my mind. And so my assignment is to find balance. I, and she's given me some homework assignments on this. You know, The first one is ride my bike for 15 minutes a day just to find a spot where my brain isn't beating myself up or processing or working or over managing everything I have to do. Um, which will be hard because I have not been riding my bike. But just the like, Meg, what you're saying, like, for me, being told I'm an overfunctioner is like, I'm doing it. I'm a successful adult, you know? And that's not what she was saying at all. <laughs> um, so I have to figure out what that means. Um, because if I'm overfunctioning on every single project I have, I will not deliver close to what I need to on each of those projects. Understanding what is the best part of me to give to that project. And then that being enough uh, is really a hard concept for me because I will break myself trying to fill in other people's gaps um, or what I perceive as other people's gaps. I have this intense perfectionism about things that don't really matter, but I spend a lot of time on them. And uh, how this comes into place is what I experience as writer's block. Now we all talk about, I don't think writer's block is a real thing. I think there's a system of excuses we give ourselves. Lava, psychological, you really are frozen from fear. Um, But mine comes from, I'm afraid I will not deliver what I need to deliver on that project. So I'm afraid to start, you know, Um, and I was having that with this project that I was talking about. And so finally I was like, I'm just gonna write the silliest pilot I can think of the thing that will make me have fun and laugh. And uh, it's been, it's been an intense summer for me um, in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, the thing I'm most proud of, I think, is that I made those doctor's appointments. And then I went to those doctor's appointments. And then I am in setting intentions to follow through on taking care of my body, because as a writer, it's, my tool like if I'm physically not healthy I can't write it affects my mental right it takes me down um so yeah I know that was a lot of self blah 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 about my psychological process but what else
0: would it be we're catching up we're all doing Uh, self blah 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 Jeff you have self blah 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 you want to tell us
2: Um, I wanna start by saying thanks to both of you because like my favorite part about the Adventures of Screenwriting segment in this show is I just find so much of what I'm hearing so immediately relatable and comforting. Like hearing you talk about the fact that like you had a stretch where you like questioned, like do I even like writing is so nice to hear because I'm like kind of mired in that right now. Um, And it was so funny, Lauren, when you shared the therapist telling you that you're like an overproducer with like toxic overachieving qualities, Truly, my response would have been like, "So is that an A or an A plus?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, that was that was legit. Like, no. oh, I'm doing... yeah, is that an A or an A plus? Is it a ninety nine or a hundred? What are we What are we talking here on the scale of amazing? Am exactly. Yeah.
2: that would have been my exact response. I feel like, so seen by that, and I would guess that a lot of our listeners feel the same way. And it's funny. I am like having my first dentist appointment since I don't even want to share when. It's like embarrassing. And next Friday. And I think sometimes what I do is. When you're, when you're your own career as a writer, it can be easy to prioritize that over like, Im- other important things in your life because you're like, this is my paycheck. I'm all I've got. Everything else is on the back burner. Everything feels so high stakes, but like, also like your health is high stakes and I sometimes minimize that. So I just very much relate to what you shared. And everyone wish me <laughs> luck at my dentist appointment on Friday. It could be a little gnarly, we'll see.
1: <laughs> oh no, my, I, mine had, mine wasn't, my excuse wasn't the pandemic. It was a year before the pandemic. They had to break yeah. out that water blaster thing. Yeah, it took a while.
3: Like, I, know, I don't have a cavity, but
1: like, I was getting a poo tooth. Right, it looked brown because it was so much gum
2: behind it. So, well, hey, no cavity—that's a win. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I, feel, I feel like that's a success. You leave the dentist because the plaque, cavity, so. The
1: plaque had such a coating over my whole teeth that it was protecting it all from cavities. I, Lord. <laughs>
2: I would have to imagine that <laughs> dentists post-pandemic are having like, I bet it has been a journey for dentists getting in all these mouths <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, but in terms of, it's been a very interesting couple months for me because i um, we premiered the film actually like after our hiatus so we premiered it in marina del rey and uh the marina del rey film festival and boris and savannah were there which was really fun they're on the call now and um the screening like went really well and we actually won the film festival which is really cool and i've been hearing back from some other festivals and like there's one festival i can't announce it but they're like flying us out so it's interesting like that part of my life is feeling kind of exciting and we're trying to sell the movie right now but like, I'm finally writing again and it is so fucking hard, <laughs> pardon my French, but I, it's been such a weird gap between like feeling like I am getting validation that I'm like, okay, it's something professionally while trying to do that same thing again and feeling like I'm truly the worst writer on the planet. It's like this very weird gap and I'm trusting that I'm able to do it again because I'm like, this other thing in my life is telling me like, maybe I'm good at this. But then I get to the page and I'm just like, I can't believe how hard this is. The things that are coming out of my brain and onto the page feel so far away from what I had initially pictured this to be. And as you vomit a draft, you just kind of have to push through it. It's like you're crawling, kind of crawling through a pile of shit that you know you're eventually going to clean away and find things beneath. But it's just been very interesting to like, have a finished thing that is like one something and we might sell and then be writing again in the hopes that I can get there again and feel so far away from it and feel legitimately very bad at, at it. So I'm, it's, it's a little scary right now. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not particularly enjoying it.
0: <laughs> it's so normal. It's so yeah. normal. I mean, it, it never goes away. Every time you're like, what are words? How does a mm-hmm. movie work? How does a movie no. work? Like every time eventually your brain can jump quicker through Mm -hmm. the poop pile like to get to a scene that you're like oh that's i don't know if it's going to be in the movie but i like that scene like sometimes Mm -hmm. that's all i'm trying to get to is a moment a character showing up it's like a discovery trek um so you're not alone jeff it means it doesn't mean anything other than you're a writer (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah
2: that's so true, and you know what? I do know if I were to compare this first, this is my, what, eighth feature I've written or tried to write or whatever, and I know if I compared this feature to my first feature on a first draft, which ironically I thought was great. Like your first feature, you write, you just do it, and you're like, oh man, I'm a writer, I'm gonna win an Oscar, I would probably be much better this first pass. And it's, of course, things show up where you're like, oh, there it is, like there's the smart brain. Like there's my writer brain, there's my, I don't wanna sound self-congratulatory, but like there's my brilliance, right? Like it's there. Yeah. there's my thing um but it's kind of few and far between in that first draft because you're just pushing through to find those moments um but it's yeah just i mean hard. it's
0: having you know the world is the story world is having a conversation with you mm-hmm. right and half the time those scenes don't work because you had an idea of what it was going to be and then that's not what it is right because right? so it doesn't it's, work it's it's tugging you over here right mm-hmm. and it's saying flat And it's just about hanging in and poking and poking and poking and poking. And, you know, (laughs) you know, you can be on draft uh, two years in on draft, you know, whatever. And the whole thing blows up and you start over. So that is, you know, that's when I'm like, I don't I like don't look ahead. Sometimes I get into these this process and I it feels like you're on the high wire. And if you ask me to look down right now, I'm going to fall. Or you, I realize how far down the mountain I am. Like, I thought I was at base camp 12 and I had like two more base camps and I was at the top of Mount Everest. And from these notes, I'm like, shit, I'm at base camp one. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard. It just takes a few days to get the energy and the motivation to go back in. So sometimes I do think it's important just to start thinking, not look too far ahead about, what you want it to be and will it sell? And is it good enough? And just completely what you're doing, which is to stay with the fun. And what, what Lauren is giving us good advice is, what's fun? Mm-hmm. What's what's a great fun story? Does, does that scene make you giggle, right? Or get verklempt? And if you don't know how to get from here to here, who cares? Who cares? You know, like you just don't, you can't just keep, it. that is where you start to get stuff, just tacking it down. And that's right. It but it's just discovery.
2: It's just that thing, Meg, where it's like, it's, you have to be so non-judgmental as you write, or you just can't do it. Because it's like, you're even, I'm writing scenes knowing this is not for any purpose other than to find another scene. I am positive this is getting cut in the next draft, but it just has to, it has to show up so I can find something else. Um, It's it's so interesting.
0: it's track. Yeah, that's right. It's just track, right?
1: I mean, and then sometimes that sheen scene is the pivotal scene that you didn't like. You you have decided right. it doesn't matter or have any merit, but then that is the scene that unlocks something, and it is in the movie. Like we, you're right. Yeah. We judge judging while you write is dangerous. I think it's that's why we need to work on craft because we have to then trust the craft to be mm-hmm. like to be a, a subconscious thing. Right. Like your first screenplay is always like, I thought this was great. And then you're like, yeah, it's great because it exists, you (laughs) know, but like that the piece of keeping writing and learning craft is what we have to
2: trust at some point. Mm. Totally. And just that we can do it. Like, I think it's so it's such a weird experience to be like kind of having validation in this other thing that I can but then actively feeling like I can't. And it's probably not like many other jobs. And of course you do get marginally better each time, but I think just like recognizing and remembering that like, we do kind of have a job where each time you do it again, it's not, it's kind of like riding a bike, but not really because it's a totally different bike. Like if it, it's, like,
0: it's it's on like fire. You know how to and it's, a on fire. Yeah. and it's on fire. It's, it's cause like, it's art. It's cause it's yeah. art. It's not, yeah. it's not a craft, it's art. Right. I I watched, I binge watched blown away. The, the reality Love show, the glass makers. Cause there's show. something very satisfying watching people blowing glass, knowing that at any second this thing could smash into a thousand pieces and they just have to start again. And they learn something about why it smashed. And sometimes yep. there's no reason it just smashed who knows or, cracks, or breaks. And, uh, and- I, it's so that they all get and by the way, I don't even like everything they get to at the end like no. you can also from the from the show see who is an artist and who's a craftsman meaning mm-hmm. that is so well crafted but when they asked you to do the seven deadly sins when they said sloth they didn't mean make them a sloth <laughs> right like there, some of them are so literal because they're craftsmen so they do like fire and ice and then they make fire and ice and you're like <laughs> no it's artistry it's about expression it's about um self-authenticity coming out in a piece of glass and right. some people know that and some people don't but that it doesn't mean they're not going to ever but right now they're kind of stuck in the literal and i think that's fine to be stuck in the literal as a writer if all you can do is pick up save the cat and put down the beats because that's where your brain is, then that's where your brain is. But no, that's where we talk about lava. The artistry will also need to find, come up through the crevices somewhere.
2: It's so interesting though, that's where you need to
0: know craft,
1: right? You need to know the craft. Like I like to watch dance competition shows and you can see the same thing where people uh, know, have the, what do they call it in dance? Technique. They have the technique, but they're not adding the artistry to it or their artistry is so good the, the, even though the technique is a little bumpy, you, you are buying it, you're in, you can't take your eyes off them. So there's this sweet spot that's sort of unknowable. It could mm. go anywhere from, I'm going to go blow everyone's socks off, or I'm going to fall down, right? I'm either going to, this project's never going to work, or I'm going to win an Oscar, right? There's this spectrum that's possible in every project we do. <laughs> so you true. Have to be in the moment, right? In the moment. And it's so hard.
2: But I'm, I'm glad you brought up Blown Away, Meg. I feel like that's valuable for writers because what's crazy about that show is like, like our writing, it can break at any time. Sometimes for no reason, like you mentioned, just something arbitrary. But they never, glassblowers seem to just be like, okay, they just, they move on so nonchalantly. Like they recognize the inevitability of their things breaking because it's so built into the process of glass blowing, And we forget as writers that like, that's also built into the process of writing so i think i'm glad you brought that
0: up yeah it is literally it is built into the process of writing
2: yeah it's a part of it
0: that smashing of it is and you know you'll have uh, somebody give you notes and it literally feels like they're just walking through smashing it right and (laughs) that is the process of writing or if any art so uh and it can take a while after the smashing to get your brain up and motivated to go back into it, it kind of can feel like lava to even start trying again because you're kind of bruised from the smashing. Right. Um, but even people who smash have the intention of helping you with your story, right? They really do. I mean, mm-hmm. unless they're, you've given it to your arch enemy, who's, uh, you know, which some people do for self sabotage, don't do that. But um, yes, yes, it's all part of the process. And, you know, the tools that you want to use, I think are very personal, you know, I have a friend who's a writer who feels very strongly that certain tools should not be used because it leads to inauthentic, you know, inauthentic writing, like let's say, save the cat or uh, picture, a picture, a um, actor in the part or, you know, and I for and that's one way of thinking about it. And, and one way to challenge yourself, like if you didn't get to use those tools, what would you do and what authentic thing would come up? Um, but I personally think they're just tools. And if you're originating from them, yes, they're gonna start blocking authenticity and lava and the, the artistry, but they can also inspire it. They can also help you carve into it if that's your intention. Um, so I don't think anything's off the table in terms of what you could use to get there, as long as you don't only do that and just rely mm-hmm. on it. If, if you're relying on it uh, without the lava and artistry, uh, then it will be flat, then it will be flat.
2: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you all hearing me out. It's um, I'll keep you posted as I remember how to write. <laughs> um, but it's been it, the good news is it's like sometimes writing feels like you're slogging for three hours just to get ten minutes of magic. But like I've gotten pockets of that magic, so I think I like it. <laughs> I'm like re-remembering, but it's it'll it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, I um, I'm like glad to be have the show back. It's just been very valuable to hear both of you share your time away because it's um helping me so thanks to both of you for sharing.
0: Savannah or Boris are on do you guys want to tell us anything about anything that happened while we've been away that would be you know something that you want to share you don't have to and we don't have to put it on the show you could just share for us if that's what you would prefer.
4: Um, One thing I wanted to ask you guys because like I'm in the process now of cutting a short film that I shot. And one thing I'm sort of noticing and is wrote
2: and directed. I'm just gonna say Boris okay, shot good, and directed yes. his yeah. own short film, <laughs> okay, too, awesome. which is really exciting.
4: Yes. But I'm starting to get to a point where, you know, we're we have a rough cut start to finish, and I'm sort of feeling like it almost has like a mind of its own, like it's almost starting to become its own thing. And I'm in a way, like I don't have complete control of it anymore. And I kind of like that i kind of like seeing like the direction heads in on its own and i'm just wondering like is that something that naturally happens to projects as you get close to the finish line or is that like a red flag i don't know
0: uh as long as you like it it's not a red flag right like if it's starting to not feel yours and you've taken so many notes and cut it to so many other people's versions that it doesn't feel yours anymore that's a red flag but you're smiling as you say that here on zoom and you say, it sounds like it's a delightful experience. And that to me is the freaking golden ticket that you want. You want it to become its own thing it, in the best sort of way. Like it's still you, but it's becoming its own thing. Oh, I think that's that's gold. Yeah.
1: I mean, check your emotional reaction when you watch it as a whole, right? I just watched uh, something I'm working on as a whole piece. Mm-hmm. I smiled a little at the beginning and then I just kept smiling bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and bigger into the end. And my intention was that, at the end of this piece, the audience would be like, "Fuck yeah, I can do that too," with a big old smile on your face, and that was exactly how I felt. So while so much of it has changed, and it definitely has a life of its own now, the emotional reaction I had while watching it was exactly my intention. Because you know, everyone who's working on it is brilliant, but um, so you can check that: like, is this the story I wanted to tell? And mm. at the end, is the audience going to feel the way I want them to feel?
3: Yeah. That's of, course, of, of course, I don't
0: know that there's any way it can't become something else because actors, locations that fell out, um, uh, so many things start to make it a different thing mm-hmm. and that you, some part of artistry is allowing that to happen and it sounds like you did allow it to happen and that you're being brave and edit and not trying to force it back to what it was and letting it become something different is hard and great that you're already doing that that's that's advanced i think that's awesome
4: yeah i think it's just that a lot of the little details like so many of the little details are not what i pictured but i don't think that like the heart of it or or just the fundamentals are any different um great and I, and part of it's i like just got really fortunate with the actors i had i'm so happy with them that just watching them make decisions has been really fun too in post so That's that's amazing
0: when that happens Um, like sometimes I've seen in both pro and student work where you think this is the main part, but then that actor can't bring it. But this person next to them is like suddenly (laughs) sparkling like and you're like, wow, i got to look at that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. So they can really shift. So and it's great. Always actors, great actors. That's where you put your money because, yes, they will bring so much. Mm -hmm
2: just a reminder of like um someone really brilliant told me once like you make three movies you write one you make one on set and then you edit one and they're all three they can be three kind of different movies they have the same soul but like just a reminder that you're creating three separate things with each phase of production and um yeah if the heart of it is there then the writing is there too
4: you know I'm curious, like in animation, you know, you have so much control in post. Is it any different? Like, it, does it become closer to what you wrote? Is there more room for play? Like, how, how does that differ from oh, action? Oh, there's
0: so many more people involved in terms of, um, you know, what, as soon as you go into the storyboards, it starts shifting because story artists are setting camera, acting. They can rewrite their, you know, it it it, it is really made in the boards and then it's made again in edit. The editor comes in so it is the exact same process it's just you're pulling on different things um so yeah it's the same and the, the great thing about being a writer in animation is you get to see your work up and know immediately what doesn't work versus in live action uh, well they're shooting it right versus in animation you get to make the movie many many times um and let it fall down right and bars are set I.e., that's the funniest sequence I ever saw that is the bar of humor in this movie now right which is great and kind of scary um or emotionally it's not working why is it working so that's the great thing about edit is uh you get to be in animation you get to see the movie made I mean so I'm a much better writer like a thousand times better writer having worked in animation and seeing my work go up and but doesn't mean you're like a genius now who can do it in one go you still it's like we talked about like you still have to start over and and do it again and again. Savannah, what about you?
3: Um, so I think I'm gonna share a, a personal update um, uh, that happened over the summer. Well, I first of all, I, I, I uh, signed up for my very first um, screenwriting class <laughs> with Script Anatomy. And um, it's a genre um, hi, TV uh, pilot writing class. And um, it actually kind of coincided with me going back and visiting my mother and us having a really beautiful kind of healing moment after many, many years of of some conflict. So um, the reason why that's front of mind, Meg, is just your experience of you being on that train and the lava coming up. I think it's just, it's so powerful, but it for me was a moment of after kind of this, pivotal healing moment with my mother, I went into like, I don't know, my third week of this class. And I was just like, Oh, my God, this is what this idea is all about. And this is, this is there. And I I mean, like, I could actually physically feel it.
0: Good. I love that.
3: (laughs) Um, And then we've also, we've kind of gone on this journey where we're reading um, uh, this book called No Bad Parts by um, Richard Schwartz, uh, Dr. Richard Schwartz, it's kind of about like, uh, it's called the internal family systems, um, uh, it's kind of therapy uh, sort of thing, but in in this writing, it's so, it's mind blowing, but they talk a lot about how our mind isn't just kind of like this mono mind, but we're just like this multiple um, series of parts, you know, and not, and they're all there for a purpose. They're there to protect us. They're there to manage us, but they're all kind of blocking us from our true kind of core authentic self. And I just, it's just so wild when, you know, I, I took this class because I want to be a better producer. I want to be a better writer. I want to meet more writers and understand, you know, the struggle (laughs) to get through it, just to, to be better at my, my own job. And um, what I'm realizing is that, like, writing is like this is helping me become a better person too, and like heal the wounds that I have in my life. And I don't know, it's just so meaningful to.
0: Oh, I love that. Just...
3: <laughs> yeah. So it's an exciting summer. You know, it's an exciting part. You know, I just graduated graduate program at UCLA, and it feels uh, nice to be investing in in myself as an artist but you know also as a a person and being a better person in the world
0: so, oh, so i was a lot but <laughs> thank you for no it isn't a lot thank you for sharing that i love it because yes writing as art art does make us better people and it does make us deeper people and more connected people um which can be painful and it can also be joyous mm-hmm. um i love that it's also an exercise
1: is to look back at your work and figure out what the thematic is and the story you've been telling and how it's changing
3: mm-hmm. and
1: how that looks like the story you've been living and how that's changing, right? Um, that's always interesting to me um, as an exercise, even on a project, watching how it's iterating, if it's an original, you know, watching how it's iterating and what, what's more and more important to me until I finally find that space of, oh, it's here. Right, and going too far and then coming back. Um, yeah, because our work reflects us, and then we reflect our work, and it's a conversation, Meg. Like you said, we're, we're talking about
0: yeah, the that's, world. That's true for producers, too. You know, if Savannah, you decide producing is the road you want to go on. Um, the producers are also artists in that they have thematics and the things that they choose to put their life energy behind to get up and going you know of course as a producer you can get assigned to a project i'm not talking about that but you know the the ones that you're going to work the years it takes to get it together and get the financing and get it up and going those are very much emotionally connected to those producers thematically and why they want to do that so um and those are the best producers the ones that have access to that so that you can, you know, the only trick will be as a producer, if your lava is different enough from the lava of the creator, you have to align to theirs. Now you, you're you always trying to work to something that's so deep it could connect to any human, no matter age, creed, country, you know? Uh, so you you are trying to get to that. Um, that's why it's always the best, in my opinion, as producers to ask questions. But when you have that interior toolbox yourself to understand that, that it's so helpful. It's so, so helpful. Mm-hmm. So even if you ch- choose the producing and not the writing, um, it'll be incredibly good, uh, for your work. Yeah. Cause a writer might call you one day and be like,
1: I don't know what is happening. I can't figure this out. And then you'll need to help them figure out how to get on track so that they feel powerful and curious and interesting again, so that they can actually write it and deliver something.
0: Which and there'll is, be a moment me, when you're okay, going to see yeah. something in the script, because you'll be able to tone down with them. I was mentoring a girl who had a story about a mom and a, a girl who were taking her father's body across country. And it was in the back in the trailer. And we were talking and talking and talking. And all of a sudden she, I was starting to dig into the lava, into this stuff, into those things. And it turns out that her sister had died and she had kind of the normal people you know, that movie that response to it where who was the maybe that good sister died and I'm, you know, left. And it was just very deep, right? And I was like, I think you have the wrong person in the trailer. Mm. You know, yeah. that like that, that her brain had wanted to talk about the baggage and the pressure and the what it felt like to live as the alive sister but it was so dangerous and felt so hot that she made it the dad, right? And now, does that mean she has to change her story? Not necessarily, right? I'm not saying it has to become autobiographical, but the emotion attached, right? To that pulling around, right? This weight is what, you know, you as a producer are kind of taking their hand and walking mm-hmm. them in and letting them know it's safe to go in here. There's going to be no judgment, and whatever comes up comes up, and whatever happens in the project happens. Don't listen to the studio anymore. Don't I don't care about any of those notes. Let's just do this right right now because here it is right. And that's an incredible gift and sacred job I think as a producer or a consultant to be there with that person doing that. And you they have to have a lot of trust in you to do it right. But I find it. One of the reasons I consult is to that moment is so sacred. When you see, you can see it on their face. You can see it crack open, like I'm sure happened to you when you were in your class and realizing, "Oh my God, this is all the same thing about my mother." Right? It's oh, it, that's the money, man. That's the oh, hold your breath moment. Of my like, God, we're here. We're here. We're here. Stay brave. Stay in it. We're here again. Doesn't have to be autographical. It's just the feeling. And I think we're gonna do a whole show on lava, which is a good segue into our next episode. And remember, you're not alone and keep writing.
2: Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we wanna get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.